Psalm 10. I'll read the whole psalm this morning. We'll be focusing on verse 17. Psalm 10. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbled himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God is forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked condemn God? He hath said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief in spite to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till I find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear, to judge the fatherless and oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. Well, that's a frightening psalm, the first part of it, about the wicked. And uh, the wicked says, oh, the Lord won't punish me. He doesn't know. I don't see the Lord. Show me the Lord. You know, I don't see him. So he's not, he doesn't know what I'm doing, and I, he's not going to require anything of me. And then, of course, the psalm, the latter part of the psalm ends with forget not the humble. And, of course, who are the humble? There's a lot of confusion about what the word humble means. Does it mean, oh, you just never, you know, never say anything and you're just very weak and, and uh, uh, you're just, just meek and mousy? Well, uh, the Lord Jesus was certainly humble, but he wasn't meek and mousy. Uh, remember our quote from Jonathan Edwards in the bulletin today, a truly humble man is sensible or is aware of his natural distance from God and his dependence upon him of the insufficiency of his own power and wisdom, and that it is by God's power that he is upheld and provided for and that he needs God's wisdom to lead and guide him and his might to enable him to do what he ought to do for him. It's total dependence on God. That's humility. But we're looking at uh, the latter part here in, in verse 17. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. And this is the first day of the of our calendar, January first, first day of the year. And I thought it would be uh, 
useful to uh, acknowledge that and uh, maybe uh, use that as a springboard uh, for this verse as a springboard uh, for uh, thinking about that. there's an old saying and, uh, that uh, a good Sabbath makes a good week. It's an old English saying. And uh, if a, uh, the good Sabbath, uh, first Sabbath of this year should, uh, should go a long way to making it a good year if we make it a good Sabbath. Um, often things start as they, uh, they, they go along as, they, as they've started. Uh, the pattern is set. And it goes through that pattern. Uh, you know, when you drive down a dirt road and it's filled with ruts, where do your wheels go? Into the ruts. And it's hard to, if you get them out, they'll often go back in, the, in those ruts, almost as though your car had a mind of its own and it fights you as you try to steer out of those ruts. Uh, it's the same way with us. We dig our own ruts and then we follow them year after year after year and uh, because it's a path of least resistance. And we fight any attempt to get out of them. You know, our, our, we try to get out of them, and, and we fight against ourselves to get out of these ruts that we put ourselves in. So what we ought to be doing is digging ruts that glorify God and stay in those. But the New Year is as good a time as any to look back, take stock of our life, look at the ruts we've been in for the past year, and maybe dig some new, better ruts. Um, I make it a habit on the first day of the year to look back and see where I was spiritually a year ago. Um, keep a journal. Uh, have I grown in grace? Am I any farther along in my walk with the Lord? Am I praying more now than I was then? Are my prayers improved? Uh, am I seeing more answers to prayer? I ask these questions. I take my spiritual temperature, if you want to put it that way. Um, just to assess our sanctification. You know, sanctification is ongoing throughout your life on earth. Justification is a one-time event, but sanctification goes on and on, as, as long as we're in this body. Uh, of course, the results of this spiritual audit, you know, you're auditing your spirit, uh, to be praising God. That if there is, there is and there should be some progress, but it's none of our own making, we know that, uh, it's all of Him, uh, as we've as we've read in the Psalm. Complete dependence upon Him. Nothing is going to lose you a blessing faster than when you take credit for it. It'll be gone. But whatever good the Lord has put into us, our attitude should be: How badly I've lived! I've squandered so many blessings. I'm so far from being the person God wants me to be. The person who's very satisfied with his spiritual condition is in very poor spiritual condition. It's only in the dark that we think that our sin-stained garments are clean. The closer we get to the light, the more we see how filthy they are. I've made that illusion on several occasions. So I thought our text would be a good day, and a good, a good rather, a good verse for today, and to be remembered uh, around the year. Um, we don't know what's going to happen this year. We don't know where our pilgrimage is going to lead us. We don't know what's going to happen to us or to our loved ones this year. Maybe many blessings, Lord willing. Uh, maybe many trials. No doubt there will be. Um, I think if we have this passage laid up in our hearts, uh, we can be 
beneath the cover of Jehovah's wings. We can make right use of this passage. We can go happily on from here until we pitch our tent on the borders of another year. So looking at our text uh, in verse 17, we can divide it uh, into at least two parts. In the first portion, we have a very blessed fact. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Of course, verse 17. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the the humble. In the second part, we have two blessed assurances. Thou wilt prepare their heart, and thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. First of all, let's take the very blessed fact. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. That's always been a fact in all ages, in all places, wherever there's been a humble heart that has lifted up its desire to God, the Lord has heard that desire. doesn't matter Jew or Gentile, palace or poorhouse, sickness or health, poverty or wealth, life or in death, no difference. If the desire has been from a humble heart, from the first person who ever prayed down to this present time, God has always been ready to hear And it's much a fact on January 1 of this year as it, as it was when David first wrote it. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. God hears your heart beating right now. He knows your desires. And it will be a fact throughout this year. God will hear the desire of the humble. Now, David doesn't say, thou hast heard the prayer of the humble. He does mean that, of course, but he also means a lot more. Sometimes we have desires we can't express, that we don't pray about, because they're too big, we can't clothe them in language, they're too deep. That's why Scripture says the Holy Spirit groans in utterances that we cannot utter. But the Lord knows them. So he hears the desires of our heart. Sometimes we have desires that, that we, we feel are too sinful. We can't ask the Lord. But the Lord hears the desires of our heart even when we can't ask him. Even when we can't turn it into the actual form of a prayer. So we take comfort in that. Please turn to Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities for what we, excuse me, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I, I'm sure you've sometimes said, boy, I wish I could pray like that other person. You know, sometimes when you hear other people pray and you say, wow, that's really a saint of God. I wish I could pray like that. If I could put so many beautiful sentences together, then I, 
then maybe the Lord would hear my prayers more. Well, that's just foolish. If none of us really know how to pray, God's word just says so. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. That applies to everybody. Praise God, we don't have to propel our petitions to him under our own power of eloquence. (laughs) You know, our prayers would flop if they did. God says nobody knows how to pray. The power of prayer is not in how it is expressed. God knows that your prayers are weak and pitiful, but he sent his own spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, making intercession for you with, with the spirit's utterances. Taking our little tongue-tried prayers and, and bathing them, making them acceptable to the Father, making them delightful to the Father. He hears the desire of the humble, that's a promise, and he takes our prayers and cleans them up and makes them a delight to God the Father. So the prayer isn't in the expression or the non-expression, it's in the soul's desire. The essence is the desire of the heart, not the the specific eloquence of the lips. That's why people who can't speak can pray. People who even are mentally challenged still can pray, maybe not in words that we would pray, but the Lord is delighted in that if they are believers. met a man in the church I once preached in who had cerebral palsy and he could barely utter words. Very, very, he was uh, confined to a wheelchair and could barely, but he was a believer. He spent every, he was there every Sunday and he, he, the more you talked to him, the more you understood him, but he, he was truly a, a child of God. And yet his, his prayers were not words that you, could, you and I could barely understand, but God understands. God gives. David says in the psalm, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Not that, Lord, you will hear the desire of the humble, but thou hast heard past tense, done. Before it was a desire in your heart, God knew it would be there. And he heard it. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. Jeremiah 1.5. How about that? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you came out of it, I sanctified you. Wow. He looked on us when we had not yet looked on him. What's the humble desire? Well, we talked about humility, the kind of desire that God hears. You know, he doesn't accept every desire of our heart. Some are wicked. Some are trifling, vain, foolish. He's not pleased with that. It's a desire of the humble that the Lord's his. What do you say? Well, I'm afraid I'm not humble. I'm not really a humble person. You know, I don't like that. I want to be more humble, but I'm, he can't hear my prayers because I'm not humble. Well, that's one mark of a truly humble child of God that he doesn't think he's humble. You know, if you meet with somebody who says he's humble, you can conclude that he's proud. <laughs> uh, I met a young man, Alice and I met him, if you remember, on a dive trip years ago. He was one of the most obnoxious people I've ever met. 
He was probably, what, about 20, something like that. And he was a dive scuba instructor. Uh, but he would just brag and brag and brag. Uh, I mean, it really was, and we had to spend a week on a boat with him with like 12 other people. So, And uh, I mean, he told us how he'd been around the world. He'd been to everywhere. You know, he'd mention a country I've been there. You know, I've dove, dove there. I've, dove, I've done every famous dangerous dive. And he said to me with a straight face, he really did. He said, you will never have the, ex-, and I was probably 10 years older than him, like that. Maybe not that much. Uh, 20, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I will never, he says to me, you'll never have the experiences I've had. You cannot even imagine them. And I, you know, I was very tempted to say, not so, my friend, not so. I have had one experience you will never have. I have met the world's greatest fool. <laughs> I thought of that later, of course, and I probably wouldn't have the guts to say that. A humble desire, unlike our young friend. Uh, If he has a good desire in his heart, he feels humble. He feels that it's the mercy of God. It's what Jonathan Edwards says here. Uh, He feels his natural distance of God, of his total dependence on him, of his insufficiency of his own power and wisdom. It's by God's power that he's upheld and provided for. Uh, that the God would enable him to do what he should do for God, for his glory. A humble man doesn't desire anything of God for his own honor. Uh, you know, I, I've heard it said you shouldn't get angry at anything except uh, at people and events that uh, blaspheme God. Not things that blaspheme blaspheme or things that attack you. What are you? You're worthy of being attacked. (laughs) You're worthy of being criticized. You should only get angry when people attack God. So the humble man knows he's nothing himself to exalt himself. He wants to glorify God. He knows he doesn't deserve salvation. He deserves hell. He gives God all the glory and he rejoices in God's mercy to him. Uh, for not giving him what he deserves. Now, humility is not feeling inferior or worthless. Many people think that's what humility is. Christian humility, again, is realizing how great and glorious God is and then looking at yourself. Sinclair Ferguson said that. Christian humility is realizing how great and glorious God is and then looking at yourself. If you understand even a little of God, you can't help but be humble. If you understand just a little bit of God, you can't help but be humble. It's when we forget this that our pride creeps back in. Back in humility, though, is a strange blessing. The minute you think you have it is the minute you lost it. You start thinking, you know, I think I'm I'm more humble now. <laughs> and there's the and all of a sudden you realize that's pride. <laughs> it's showing how I'm not more humble now. Uh, it leaves everything in God's hands, in God's hands, in God's hands. Asking the Lord, Lord, put thy desires on my heart that I may desire what thou desires. That'd be a great prayer, wouldn't it? Put, that, put your desires on my heart so I can desire what you desire. So let me spend a few minutes more on 
What's some of those desires? One of the desires of the humble. What kind of desires? What are humble desires? Lord, save me. That's certainly a humble desire. I'm lost. Unless you come to my rescue, I'm guilty. Forgive me. I've been an enemy to me, to thee. Reconcile me. I'm diseased with sin. Heal me, thou great physician. That's one of the desires of the humble that God hears. Maybe your humble desire is, Lord, convert my children. I've tried to train them up for thee, but it's not my training that's going to be effectual for their salvation unless thou put thy hand to the work. I Save my husband, save my wife, save my sister, save my brother. God hears those desires. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I have known people who thought it was, you shouldn't, it's practically a sin to bother God with small requests. Small things. As though he only cares about the big picture. No, that's not true. In everything, what does scripture say? In everything, by prayer and supplication. You have a hangnail. It's okay to ask the Lord to heal. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, bid thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. That's just not permission. That's a command. That's a commandment. Through everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Another desire should be, Lord, guide me this year. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Keep my heart focused on thee and not upon money, not upon getting ahead. Nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with getting ahead. That shouldn't be the main focus of your life. Direct my footsteps in raising my children to walk in holiness. Glorify thyself in me. If the Lord is glorified in you, then all your desires are humble ones. They're sanctified desires. They're delightful in him. Now let's look at the two, as I said, blessed assurances. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Thou wilt prepare their heart. We can turn that into a prayer. Lord, prepare my heart. I mean, we have to make preparation. You know, the, the man doesn't doesn't build a bridge without sitting down and and trying to figure out a start or any big building project. So we have to make preparation, having a heart prepared. The heart is prepared. Things will be right in the end. Psalm four twenty three: Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And of course. Uh, we're talking about the person, the mind, you know, your will, um, the inner man. It's not emotion. Uh, it's, it's emotions don't think. Uh, 
And only God can prepare the heart, the inner man. He prepares the heart of the humble to receive Christ. And then he prepares their heart to receive more of Christ. Uh, Thou wilt prepare thine heart. So, we're going to have to need heart preparation for the duties that we shall have to perform before God. Look forward to them with trusting in Him. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but we know that every day is going to bring the Lord's help for service, and God will prepare our hearts for it. Nothing shall come for you to do, but God will make you ready for it. Maybe it's going to be a change of jobs this year, or a child moving out into the world, or any one of, or more of a thousand of things. Those of you who've known the suffering of a loved one, the loss of someone close to you, you know how the Lord prepares your heart. I pray you do. I pray that those times you think back, haven't you felt his hand upholding you? A sense of his presence? A source of peace that you didn't expect in the midst of blackness? So if you can keep his word in your heart and on your tongue all this year, nothing is going to be able to disturb you. You should be like the man of whom it is written in Psalm 112, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Thou wilt prepare their heart. They shall not be afraid of the enemies that can come against them. You won't be afraid of sickness, of death, of famine. For God will prepare your heart to meet it. Of course, our human nature fallen as it is of course we're afraid of these things and we dread these things and we don't want these things to happen but the Lord will prepare your heart you've noticed that oftentimes when something bad comes to pass that you've been dreading somehow it just wasn't as bad as your dreading thought it was going to be I don't know if you've had that experience or not I've seen that even in in deaths and in in terrible situations. I look back and say, Lord, you know, I dreaded it, but somehow it's just not as horrible as I dreaded. Somehow the Lord is sustaining me. I don't know if you've had that or not. I, I pray you do. But ask the Lord to prepare your heart for an upcoming sorrow. So... I'm going to close with the last part of the subject. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Um, from what I, I could I could tell by commentaries that I studied, pretty much an agreement that means the Lord will hear us soon. See, sometimes when we pray, the Lord doesn't give us an answer right away. So pray again. For God has not caused his ear to hear yet. He will cause his ear to hear, prepare to wait if God tarries, but be prepared for the reply if he doesn't tarry. Some Christians do the first, but not the second. They seem to ready, so ready to wait for God that he makes them wait. But expect many speedy answers to your prayers. Thou will cause thine ear to hear. That means the Lord will hear us always. He will cause our ear to hear him. We can't hear him without him causing our ear to hear. Can Just like Lazarus couldn't hear Jesus calling him until the Lord gave him hearing. 
So we need to pray for that as well, that the Lord will cause our ears to hear. And we know if we have the ear of the Lord, that our prayers will be answered, that he hears our prayers. The Lord will hear to answer our petitions. He listens to the voice of his children. He regards the cry of the humble. He's moved by the desire of his own people. Let us this year be more in prayer than ever. Can we do that? More in prayer than ever before. Make this the year of prayer. Let's pray in faith, pleading the blood of Jesus and the promises of God's word. And let us hear the Lord saying to us, please turn to Isaiah 45, 11. We'll close with that. Isaiah 45, 11. Let us hear the Lord speaking to us. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their host have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness and I will direct all his ways and he shall build my city and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's skip to verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Let's go to him. Father, bless us. Bless us all, Father, all within the sound of my voice and those who are absent from us today in our congregation. Make this year to be the richest in grace of all of our lives. May this be our year of prayer, Father. Father, open for us the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. We thank Thee for the Thy love, and Father, we pray for the continuance of the gospel and all the ordinances thereof, that it may go continue to go throughout the world, Father, bringing Thy elect home. Father, prepare us for this year for the trials and tribulations. Father, we know that uh, those are the, the hand, Thy hands working us as the hands of a potter working us, Father, prepare us for heaven. And let us watch for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ this year as we, if he does not come and to judge the living and the dead on earth this year, Father, he will come for 
some of our loved ones, possibly and possibly for us this year. So prepare our hearts, Father. Father, as, uh, as we start this new year, let us pray the prayer which Christ caught his disciples. Not only a pattern of prayer, but a comprehensive prayer. And we Let us pray it together now, Father, to thee, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen and amen. Service is ended. Let us go in peace. Now, I have. Uh, Do you have an?